Are you feeling stuck making minimum payments on your credit card debt? Savewithconrad.com can help, and you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? Get rid of your credit card debt and lower your monthly payments right now at savewithconrad.com. Welcome to 5460, the Joe West podcast. Featuring former Major League Baseball umpire Joe West. For six decades, no one has seen more baseball than Joe West. And now he shares those stories with you every week right here on the Podcast Heat Network. is asking the Reds to leave the field. I guess maybe as a form of security. Well, Joe West is not going back behind the, the catcher. So what is he doing? He, he wants to throw him out or what? He's not going to back away from confrontation. It's just not in his makeup. Which guy are we talking about backing away? Well, come to think of it, it's both guys. And they're warning the Atlanta dugout now. A helmet came flying out. Bobby Cox, I don't think, threw the helmet. One of his players did. Bobby's jawing back at Joe West. But somebody's been tossed, and here comes Cox. It was Bobby Cox who threw the helmet out there. Off the umpire, oh. and that's a foul ball. Joe West gets drilled, and he appears none the worse for it. <laughs> He's a strong man. Nice. Now Joe's going to give him some argument because Mark's saying, "Why do you do?" Joe, just get over there and umpire, will you? Yeah. Just get over there and umpire. No. That's all. It's fifty-four sixty. The Joe West podcast. Here's Joe West and your host. Mike Claiborne. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of 5460. It's the Joe West Podcast. I'm Mike Claiborne, and our special guest today, another Joe. He's Joe Buck of ESPN, and we are glad to have him to be part of what we do with the podcast. Joe, first of all, thank you uh, for joining us today, and uh, congratulations on your new gig. Yeah, it still sounds weird to say you to hear you say Joe Buck of ESPN. I mean, I've I've been at Fox since I was 24 years old. That's when I got hired, and 27 years later, I make the jump. But I'm excited about it, and I'm excited to see your faces, see you, Mike, who I've known forever, and to see Joe, who uh, not only did I know, but my dad knew well over the years. So good to be on with you guys. Well, so, it, it, is ahead, it is interesting that uh, that you are going to go with uh, ESPN because. You were there with Fox from the beginning. Yeah. You started with them when they started. So they, Yeah. You in 94. Yeah, yeah, when in 94, Joe, they we always joked. I think it was John Madden who came up with it. He said, you know, they call this Fox Sports, it should be called Fox Sport. You know, we had we had football <laughs> and that was it. And I remember Mike Claiborne when I was uh sitting at KMOX one day. And I was doing an open line show and news came down that Fox had gotten the rights to cover the NFC and the NFL. 
and CBS was out, I, I was, you know, throwing stuff around the room. Like, you got to be kidding me. This is the end of football as we know it. And it was the end of my life as I knew it. And something new, a new chapter was about to begin. So I had no idea when that came along uh, that I'd be a part of it. And I sure as heck had no idea that once the season ended last year, uh, that that I would be changing addresses. I'm excited about it. I mean, I, I don't want to mislead. I'm I, I can't tell you how excited I am to start something new, but it's just it's it's an odd feeling after almost 30 years at one place. And, and for you, I would think that everything kind of happened like overnight, it seemed like, because normally those sort of things kind of drag on. You were still basically under contract. Uh, but were you as surprised at how quickly things unfolded for you moving from one place to another? Yeah, on one hand and on the other, I had to kind of make things happen quickly. Um, I, I had uh, there was somebody else who wanted that gig, and uh, his name rhymes with uh, Cal Schmeichels, and uh, so I, I had to uh, I had to get to work. And and if I didn't get out of my Fox deal, it would have been Troy and Al. Uh, at ESPN, which would have been a great combo too. So I, I knew the clock was ticking and I had to go to work and basically lean on the people that I worked for for almost 30 years to let me out uh, a year early. I, I had told them for years that that uh, I was moving on from baseball after this season that we're currently in right now, which was the last year of my deal. And I think they knew that I was ready for a change. Um, this is the first year since I was 18 years old that I haven't called or won't call a baseball game and I'm 53. So, um, you know, it's, it's been a long go and I think change is good. It's weird, but it's good. And I think they recognize that it's not only good for me, I think it's good for them and it's good to get another voice in there and it's good for them to get new people and see how that goes. So, uh, I'm excited and I'm sure they're excited too. Well, I think you're being very humble there to say, get new people because I mean, Let's just uh, say it like it is. I mean, at age 25, you became the youngest guy to announce the, the regular slate of national football games. I mean, uh, you started when you were young. I mean, you worked uh, Major League Baseball with Tim McCarver, uh, who had worked with your dad, too. Yeah. You know? And uh, I, I think it's uh, – I think you've had a marvelous career, and I'm, I'm proud to say that you're a friend, you know, so I'm tickled to death for you. Well, thank you. I yeah, I I think you have to you have to go about this stuff the right way and you know, I, I talked the last person I talked to before I was 100% sure that I wanted to leave was David Hill, who was the original guy that hired me at Fox, and he said that the 10 years after he left Fox that he's currently in the middle of right now uh, have been the most rewarding 10 years of his life and both professionally and personally. And he said, you got to go, you got to change things up and you're going to be nervous before you walk into that booth for the first time. And when Monday night football, that theme song hits, I'm sure the butterflies will be bouncing around, but that's all good. That's good stuff. So I think when you feel like you're just doing it over and over and over again, uh, you know, you get, I'm not saying you get lazy because the, the general population and, and, uh, Twitter will let you know if you're getting lazy. Uh, but I, it was just, it's time for a, a different look at things. And, and I've got little boys now I've got da daughters that are in their twenties, boys that are four. Um, and so I want to be around and I, I want to be here. And I feel like I've, I've done as much traveling as I can do, especially during the month of October. And, and it's time for something different that month too. Hey, Joe, for you, uh, you mentioned your dad and, and his relationship with umpires. 
Uh, talk a little bit about that because he he really enjoyed being around umpires and he could he could tell jokes and have as much fun with anybody uh, when it came to them. What about you and your relationship and how do you and Joe connect? Well, I mean, I, I connect basically through my dad. I I I I have to plead guilty to letting relationships uh, kind of go on on that front, um, and and that's. That is probably me being lazy and being jammed up before I go do a game and and feeling like, you know, when I walk into a football game, all my research is done. Uh, I'm, I'm ready. If, if I could be airlifted into the stadium five minutes before the game starts, I'm ready. Like my, my, my homework is complete. In baseball, I get there four hours before the game when I'm doing a national broadcast. And then it's kind of like the clock is ticking. And I've got to run up, you know, you don't know what the lineups are going to be. So I, I have to run up, get everything down in my scorebook, get things the way I like it. And I, I let that part of my, uh, of my relationship with people in the game slip. And, and that's, that's not good. I, I, I admired the way my dad treated the officials, not just in baseball, but in football as well. He was friends with, with all the officials he was mon- doing Monday night football with. He was friends with Joe. He was, I mean, I went into to the umpire's dressing room when I was a kid and met, you know, I, I can't, I mean, the best of the best, you know, like Lee Wire, uh, I, a guy that uh, did it forever and I bat boyed for and the biggest man with the squeakiest voice I ever heard in my life and Dick Stello and all these different guys uh, that, that I got to know. Bruce Fremming, who's a dear friend. And I wish he would lose my number because all he does is call me looking for tickets. So I, I, I trust me, I'm well aware that that there's always been this other layer that I could have tapped into better. And and I don't know, Joe. I, I think it's worth talking about from your perspective. I, I I feel like when I'm doing a game, everybody with a phone, a smartphone, or social media is telling me how bad I am. And and eventually, you know, you, you get tired of it. You get so I don't I don't go there and I don't look for it. And I'm sure for you guys, especially when you're behind the plate, you know, you've got you have to feel like announcers, broadcasters are constantly second guessing and constantly grading uh your work. And and that's got to get tiring. I don't care who you are, especially with these big games. I know it comes with the territory, but I would imagine you get tired of of the guy sitting up there with a headset saying, ah, that ball's outside and it's called a strike or they haven't gotten that strike all night or whatever it might be. So I, I kind of stayed away from a lot of that stuff, and, and maybe that's because I was scared to go down in there um, as a broadcaster. <laughs> but I, I, I wish I had done better with that, trust me. Well, you know, the unique thing about that is, is you have a job to do and and we have a job to do this and the umpire is trying to do the best he can. And you're trying to do the best you can. And you have to tell what you see because that's your job. Right. So for anybody to hold that against somebody, that's wrong. I mean, one of the biggest uh, blowups I ever had uh, with the White Sox was with Hawk Harrelson. And he called me every name in the book. You know, he, he said, you should retire. You should do this. And when they, showed the box that I called, they were box. <laughs> right, so right. What, what are you going to do? There's nothing you can do about that. But Hawk was, uh, Hawk's favorite pitcher was the guy I called the box off. So he went off at a time. <laughs> and today, Hawk and I, if, if we're around, we're like best of friends. But right. uh, that was, that's just, that's part of the game. And, and you know, early in my career, Al, 
you probably met Al Barley. Oh yeah, sure. Did you meet Al? Yeah, yeah, but he, I, I think he had retired by then. Yes, yeah. When I met Al, he was retired. He was, he was my supervisor when I came up, and he mentioned one day that this announcer didn't like me for some reason or another. And I, I said, well, what did I do to him? He said, you didn't do anything to it. You just keep doing your job. There's nothing you can do about that guy not liking you. And uh, and you actually realize that as an umpire. Uh, people are going to hate you just because you're an umpire. Uh, and in your situation, if, if you say something that, that they don't like about their favorite player or, or maybe somebody that, that they know, then they're going to dislike you f- for you just telling your opinion. Right. And no, you're exactly right. And, and I, there are a couple things <clears throat> to this. First of all, my da- people always ask me, what, are, what did your dad tell you before you know you started in on this business and the the honest answer is he didn't really guide me very much i think he knew that i paid enough attention as a kid on the in the seat you know down to the right of where the guys used to sit and i would watch my dad as a little boy when i was a little boy you know when i would listen on a on a headset i would watch him watch the game i was watching the game and that's how I learned how to broadcast. But he knew that that I had paid enough attention and I would do games into a tape recorder and he and I would listen to the tape on the way home and blah, blah, blah. And that that's how I kind of got started in all of this. He didn't tell me much. He told me two things going down to my first year at Louisville when I was uh, 19 years old. He said, first of all, you've been watching big league baseball your whole life. Unless you feel like you could make that play 10 times out of 10, realize how hard it is for these guys to make they're all trying and 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 you can't act as the broadcaster you know harry carey was notoriously hard on certain players as a broadcaster you can't act like you know this guy's not trying hard or this guy just blew it or whatever it's harder than it looks especially from where we sit and two lay off the umpires and i i remember one time i was doing a game at old bush stadium and i was doing color i was doing play-by-play and my dad was in the other seat and I was I was starting to get frustrated with with the strike zone of the umpire because you're basically a homer when you do the games for for a team, uh, as opposed to the national guy. And and I you know that pitch looked like it was a strike and and it's called a ball or whatever. And I just remember my dad looking at me out of the corner of his eye. He didn't say anything, but he gave me this glare like shut up. It's like stop. And and I stopped. And and I I think about that. All the time when I'd be doing World Series games, I could almost I, I would almost picture my dad sitting in the seat next to me looking at me like, really, you're going to go down this path? And and it was a great lesson to learn. I was in the minor leagues one year, I guess I think it was 1990. And uh, I won't say the name of the umpire, but but he was a guy that was going up and down at that point in his career. He'd do big league games. He'd come down to triple A games. And uh, there was a play at second base. It was really glary at old Redbird Stadium where the Louisville Redbirds used to play. And and this umpire was looking out at a play in the left corner uh, of the outfield. And the throw came in. Our second baseman of Louisville caught it, tagged the guy before he got to the bag and popped up and was looking at the runner at third. And and the umpire just just missed it. He, he didn't see the guy get tagged. And... Uh, our second baseman was arguing with him and and I was on the microphone and I said, you know, I just don't think he saw this guy's name was Craig Wilson turn and tag the guy on the leg. I I think he, he just missed it. And the next night, my broadcast partner and I got summoned down to the umpire's dressing room. And this guy, 
came around the corner and undressed. He's like, which one of you is Joe? And I was like, me, I was, I think I was 20 and he got in my face, like, and, and my broadcast partner who was 15 years older than me and kind of like a second dad to me actually got between us and I wasn't fighting back. It just was really awkward. And, and that was another time to realize that there's a lot of pressure on every facet of this game and the people that work in every facet and, um, it, it made me choose my words, I think, better as time went on from that moment on. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I'll never forget the guy said to me, I'm going up to the major leagues tomorrow, and I'm working a series, and your ass is going to be sitting here in Louisville for the rest of your life. You'll never get to the big leagues and blah, 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 blah. And uh, I, I had already done some big league games that year, and I just shut my mouth and let him let him go go off on me. Uh, but you know, you know this person really well, Joe. I, I, I'll just leave it at that. rhymes with what? <laughs> you know what? Uh, I think, I think the spark coolest- spark Kirschback. <laughs> Joe, I got to tell you, it's great to have the workout anytime on board 5460 as one of our sponsors. Many of our listeners already know that Workout Anytime as their hometown club where they can work out on their schedule 24-7. Others might be aware that Workout Anytime is a great business opportunity as well. That's right, Mike. Workout Anytime is one of the top 200 fastest growing franchises in the country. They've been at this for more than 20 years, and they're currently in 22 different states, and they're internationally in Honduras and Costa Rica. How about that? You know what? Opening up a gym is becoming a real big part. How about $30 billion in health and fitness industry is what you're talking about this year. Never has it been any easier to invest in workout anytime franchise. Joe, you know, you and I are one in five American adults that have a fitness membership. Yeah, I did know that. As a matter of fact, and I'm told that number is expected to nearly double in the next 10 years. I know these folks that work out anytime and I have known them for a long time. They're so passionate about the industry and their franchises rave about the support that they give the company. Well, here's a great business tip. Go to workoutanytimefranchise.com and learn more. And while you're there, you can see the map of available locations and find out how you can arrange an initial phone conversation to hear more about the proven Workout Anytime business model. That's workoutanytimefranchise.com. <laughs> okay, I got I, you. I think hey. you I think you made a great point here that, that you did pay your dues by coming through the minor leagues. And uh I can I can remember when uh, a statement like that was made in my one of my first spring training games when I was coming up and down. And uh Chuck Tanner, I kicked Chuck Tanner out of a game in spring training. <laughs> and uh and Chuck was kind of different, you know. He would pick on every young umpire to see how much they would take, to see how far he could go with it. Yeah. And he did that with every young umpire that came up. It didn't matter if your call was right or wrong. It didn't matter. But he started yelling at me one day, and like you you said, you knew Al Barley. And Tanner, after I kicked him out, said, you'll never see the big leagues making calls like that. And the next thing I hear is Al Barlick. He's got his hands through the screen behind home plate. And he said, this kid will be here when you die. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and so you go through these growing pains, I, I like to call them, because you're going to have stuff 
in your career and my career where people just don't like what you did. Yeah. And you can't, you can't try to befriend everybody, you know, doesn't work. It doesn't work. And, you know, I, I, I think, you know, when you say going through the minor leagues and, and I did two years there, it was a great place, Louisville. I mean, it was a great city uh, to be in the minor leagues. But I do think that's when my dad knew that I was serious about it. I think it's one thing to be Jack Buck's kid, sit in an empty booth, do the games into a tape recorder, get called on the air when I was 16 one time and then when I was 18 one time and did an inning, and that's all cute. But when you go to the minor leagues and you spend two summers there while you're also going to college, you know, when, when summer's not going, and I was also the traveling secretary, and I was handing out meal money and plane tickets to Leon Durham and Bob Tewksbury and, and a lot of veteran guys that were coming back. Terry Francona was on our team. A lot of veteran guys that were giving it one last go and a lot of young guys that were coming up. And, and so I was doing two jobs, and I was 19 years old, and I, I think that's when he knew that I wasn't wasting my time, or at least I loved it enough that I wanted to, to go through all that as a kid so that I could kind of earn my way in air quotes to, to the big leagues. And, 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 and I, I felt that way myself. It was like, man, I love this. I don't want a day off. I I'd rather go to the ballpark than, than not. So I, that, that's kind of when I knew too, that this is what I wanted to do uh, pretty much for the rest of my professional life. Joe Buck is our guest 5460 podcast. It's the Joe West podcast. I'm Mike Claiborne along with Joe West. And uh, Hey Joe, one of the things I want to go back to, this is a business, as you mentioned earlier, because of social media and everything else, people can kind of be misportrayed. And how many times have you had people confront you? And Joe West, I'll, this goes for you as well. People who will confront you because of what they heard you said or what they thought you did, and it was the furthest from the truth. Well, I mean, I, I can I can go one level past that. I've been ripped on social media on Twitter for a game that I wasn't even doing. <laughs> so I mean they'll they'll tag me and I'll be like Buck sucks. Look at this asses. He hates the Yankees and you know this guy that this this guy's always been against us. And then somebody else, it's just funny to sit back and watch. Somebody else will be uh will chime in and go, uh, that's Kenny Albert. That's not Buck. So it's like there's nothing you can do. I mean, it sometimes you're just screaming out there like a crazy person if you start chasing all that stuff down. But yeah, I I've many times uh I, I try to be really clear with what I say. Um, I, I remember Milt Thompson one time, who was a Cardinal for a long for a long while. It was the only time I saw my dad get confronted by a player, uh, and and I really have never been called on the carpet, so to speak, for anything I, I've said on the air. Uh, but I remember my dad getting getting confronted by Milt Thompson. There was a ball that just got past Ozzy or just got into the outfield and Milt Thompson was playing left and a guy scored from second. And I think my dad's comment was, if you're not going to throw out a guy from there, you're not going to throw out anybody. And that <laughs> pissed off Milt Thompson. And the next day, Milt came up to my dad. My dad was apologetic. I think sometimes, you know, especially more when you're the team announcer as opposed to the national guy, you, you get emotional and you get wrapped up and and you you want to see the team do well and your your mood is determined by your team winning or losing that night and and you know there's a lot riding on it so you you tend to get a little hyper sometimes maybe you're tired maybe you're you know whatever but I I think you know it's easier to stay away from a lot of that stuff when you do it nationally 
Cause you're, you're, you know, I don't know these guys anymore. I, for, for the longest time, you know, I was friends with all these players. I was the same age as them when I started with the Cardinals. So I hung out with a lot of them and, and I knew way too much about their lives, but I, now they're just kind of, you know, like helmets and hats running around down there. I don't really know a lot of those guys. So I, I, I haven't been, I've been yelled at in a long time. You know, my, my wife, Rita, and you know, you know, Rita, yeah. she, she'll come in after the game, after I've worked the game, she says, these people are yelling at the plate umpire and they think it's you. (laughs) 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 They're up in the stands yelling, Joe West sucks. And you're at second base. You hadn't had a call the whole game. (laughs) Right. Yeah. No, I know that happens, but that's kind of a badge of honor. They know your name. They don't know. They can't pronounce Iasonia. So they they say Joe West and, and it's, it's easy. The worst thing is when your name is Buck because it rhymes with a lot of bad things. So, uh, <laughs> you know, West rhymes with best. I can think of two words that rhyme with Buck that aren't very good. So you got me beat <laughs> in that category. Yeah, I worked, I worked a spring training game one day in Greg Bonet. You remember that name? Oh, yeah, sure. Greg's getting married to this school teacher. And she had never been to a big league game. And it's a spring training game. It's uh, – Houston Astros and somebody, and they picked the guy off first base, and the first baseman completely missed the tag. He just didn't tag the guy, and I signaled safe, and the Astros started chirping, and I started across the field, and they stopped. <laughs> and, uh, so we get in the car after the game, and we're going back to the hotel, and uh, his future wife said, Joe. They knew your name. <laughs> I can't wait till they know Greg's name. Uh-huh. <laughs> and Greg wanted to crawl in a hole and die. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, he was, I'm sure, a kid. And, and yeah, plus it was Greg Bonet. Yeah, uh, you know, exactly. it's, yeah, that's, uh, it's got a little different sound to it than Joe West. <laughs> hey, Joe, you mentioned this would be the first time since you were 18 years old that you're not going to do baseball. Uh, what do you think you'll miss if anything? Um, well, I find myself going to a lot more games on TV now that I'm not working it, which is odd. I don't know why. And I have found myself watching the Cardinal team a lot more than I have in years past. And it's, I think, I think I'm kind of rediscovering my roots, which are, you know, kind of all Cardinals all the time. And, and I'm not saying I'm, I'm a crazy fan. I'm not. I'm not, you know, reading box scores every day, but I like the I like the team. I like some members of this team that that are exciting to watch. And so I've I've found myself searching for it more than I thought I would. But I, I think I'll miss I think I'll miss any game seven. I think I'll miss any any time, you know, you can basically take your hands off the handlebars and just let a game seven happen when you're broadcasting. You know, we, I've, I've had game sevens with Pedro Martinez and Roger Clemens and different guys over the years that, you know, these starting pitchers that seem to be dwindling by the day that, that are the guys that you just lock in on and go, man, you know, when this guy pitches, this is a distinct advantage for this team. So I, I think anytime, you know, listening to a home crowd cheer after a strikeout, and and just feeling that thrill and that energy in the stadium that that's the stuff I'll miss uh you know a 9 to 8 game or a nine even worse a 9 to 1 game in the middle of uh, June 
when it's 104 degrees and uh, you know you got six people in the seats. I don't think I'm going to miss those moments too much, but any game seven, anything where there's something on the line and one team wins and one team goes home after all that work they've put in, I, I just don't think there's anything better. It's it's still a grand game, and uh, you know I think it's got to be tweaked going forward. Uh, that's not news, but uh, I, I still – I, I still will miss that that exhilaration of of being in the booth and and watching watching a team you know the Cubs win their first World Series for the first time in 108 years the Red Sox winning their first World Series for the first time in 86 years the Yankees return to glory all these different storylines I got to follow and call them winning the World Series I'll, I'll miss putting that stamp on the end of a World Series. All right, I'm going to make you guys uh, co-commissioners for a day because you guys have some interesting observations on making the game more fun and entertaining and better. So, uh, Joe Buck, I'll start with you on maybe three things. If, if you're commissioner, you can you can change. Well, or you would adjust. Uh, one thing I wouldn't change, and I'm I'm anti, uh, is the robo ump <laughs> thing. I, I I don't know how Joe feels about that. I I just think that that's taking so much of the human element out of it. I, I don't. I don't like the thought of that. I, I would definitely ban the shift. I never thought I would say that three or four years ago because I, I thought I thought hitters would adjust and they just haven't. So, you know, there's so little action in the game right now that every left-handed batter is trying to launch. I think it's ruined a lot of guys' swings uh, and and has made them less of a hitter uh, when when it's all launch angle and trying to hit the ball out of the park instead of you know, find a hole between 18 guys over on the right side of the infield. So I think you have to ban the shift and I'm for the pitch clock. I, I think, you know, I, it's, it's too slow. It there major league baseball, in my opinion, and this is just my opinion. And the last thing I want to do is have this like my whole life professionally and then be out of it and go, well, here's what I would do, but you asked. So I'll tell you, I, I just think they're, they're more concerned about the overall time of game instead of, a lack of action. If the game lasts 308, nobody cares if it's an exciting game. Football games last 308. Basketball games, I think, last longer. Hockey games last. That's not the problem. The problem is once the inning starts, there's not enough action. Uh, and 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 that's where I think you need to ban the shift. I want to see more running. I want to see more situational hitting. And and uh, and I, I want to see these guys get the ball and get it back to the plate and let's go. Well, you know, you grew up in St. Louis. <clears throat> and one of the funniest lines I ever heard was uh, Joaquin Andujar said uh, about Whitey Herzog. He said, anybody can make up that lineup. He's got late, eight leadoff hitters and Jack Clark. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so they were exciting teams to watch. And, and you do make a, a valid point about uh, – the shift, but th there is a problem with the shift. They're not teaching guys how to hit today. And I actually talked to Paul Bisa one time and I said, when was the last time you saw a baseball player play pepper? And yeah. Said, Never. I said, well, that's playing pepper. We taught the guy how to control the bat, handle the bat and everything. And they asked Rod Carew one day, he said, what would you hit against the shift? He said, 900. Yeah. How said, about Gwen? I just totally oh, yeah. the same way, you know, and so that's that's part of the player's fault that they're not adjusting that. I remember when Bernie Carbo got traded from uh, Cincinnati to Boston, 
and he learned to hit the ball the other way because of the short left field fence. Uh, so, and I watched films of Hank Aaron, God rest his soul. When he played, he hit just as many home runs to right center field as he did to left center field. He hit the ball where it was pitched. So you couldn't put a shift on Hank Aaron. And he's one of the greatest hitters that, that ever played. Uh, the one thing, and I've said this before to Mike, that I would change is I'd get rid of the DH. I wouldn't have it in either league because I think the DH slows down the game. And that's what they're trying to do is speed up the game. Right. And, you're not, and the thing about the DH is Ron Fairley said this to Joe Morgan when they put it in. He said, all it does is give the pitcher carte blanche to throw it whoever they want to because they don't have to bat. And the other thing is they pitch different. If Tom Seaver threw more than nine pitches to the seventh, eighth, and ninth hitters, some one of those guys fouled off a two-strike pitch because the National League guys would go right after the seventh, eighth, and ninth hitter. The American League guys didn't do that because the DH was there instead of the pitcher. So that would be the one thing I would change. And I'd get big pushback from that. In fact, when I told Paul Beeston that, he said, how would you get the DH away from the players? I said, give them two more roster spots. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, well, well, that's a good idea. But how do you, I said, the two roster spots got to be cheaper than the DH. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Hey, folks, I'm glad you're listening today and having a chance to listen to Joe and our favorite guests we have on. But I want to talk to you about something else. You know, it's that time of the year where guys are getting a little frisky about different things and they want to make sure they can perform on the field and in other rooms of the house, if you know what I mean. That's where Blue Chew comes in. And this is something, Joe, that we have had a chance to talk about. And Blue Chew is something that we need to let everybody know that can really help them in a lot of different areas. Well, the coolest thing about Blue Chew is it's an online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. And the chewable tablets are there at a fraction of the cost of the other stuff. You can take them anytime, day or night, just to get yourself ready for your performance later on. Or anytime. That's the great thing about it. You don't have to set the clock. You can just go when you go. But, you know, here's the deal. So for people who've never heard of Blue Chew, let me explain to you how it works. You just go to bluechew.com. Consult with one of their licensed medical providers. And once you're approved, you'll see your prescription in, in about a few days. It doesn't take that long. It's a, it's a quick turnaround. And the best part about it is you're doing everything online. Just like you're listening to this show, it's online. No doctor's office visits. No awkward conversations about what do you think or I've got a little problem. And, you know, the neatest thing is you never hear your name called in a pharmacy line at the, at the, at the pharmacy. Bluetooth tablets are made right here in the U.S. And they're prepared and shipped you direct to your door in a discreet package. So if you want more information, just check them out, bluechew.com, and you'll find out that you will have a lot in common with the postman after a while. You'll also find out that first impressions, they are important. But with Blue True, I can guarantee you this, it'll make a lasting impression. And that's what this is all about. So it's time to get off the couch, fellas. Let's get in the ball game. You, you're messing up. You're wasting too much time just thinking about it. Blue Chew will get you moving in the right direction. And I do mean up. You know, a great songwriter once wrote, you never get a second chance to make a first impression. And of course, you probably have never heard of him. It was me. But the Blue Chew is free when you use our promo code. Joe West at checkout. Just pay $5 in shipping and the bluechew.com promo code Joe West to receive your first month free. 
Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring this podcast. I worked with John Smoltz for six years. It drove him crazy. You don't have to go back that far to look at how exciting postseason matchups were based on the pitching matchups. And you could see how they would line up. Now, you know, you saw it with Max Scherzer last year. It's, it's, hey, well, Max Scherzer pitched game one and three, and now we need somebody to get the last three outs in game five. We'll just run him. We'll just run Max Scherzer out there. And then all of a sudden he's got a dead arm. And, and, you know, they make guys, they, they treat all these guys as interchangeable. Even somebody like Max Scherzer, who I could make the argument nobody's given more return on a big money contract than Max Scherzer. He's the one guy that's been there every day. Uh, I, I just, I don't, I don't know what they're trying to create because I, I've I've done World Series games. I did one last year where the game two starter or game three starter had never made a start in the big leagues and and had and really was a reliever in the minor leagues. But they don't care about that stuff. So they've take what it what bothers John about it. Smoltz is those are high dollar positions when you've got a workhorse that'll give you two hundred and twenty innings. You got to pay that guy, and now. There, there's really no uh, – those guys are being phased out. Now it's openers, and they can run in five guys that can throw 98 miles an hour, and they're all the same guy. And when those guys blow out, they'll bring up five more guys, and and then you know these guys have been have to be looking around like, I wasn't developed. I, I never got a chance to see how good I could have been because it was just blowing it out as hard as they could. And, and then when they're worn out, they go get a new crop of them. So I – I don't know. I, I I hate being the get off my lawn guy, but I do think there's a lot of the nuance of the game that's that's been missing. And I think this Cardinal team, Mike, and you watch them every night, has a little bit more of that. A little throwback. They'll steal bases. They'll move guys over. They'll you know they'll they'll make a a productive out that Tim McCarver used to talk about all the time. And and now you know they start these extra innings with a guy at second base. All that means is it's either a two-run homer uh, or, or you know, the guy's stranded because they don't have the ability to get guys over and get them in. That that should be a guaranteed run every time, and it just isn't. Well, you know, Joe, I think if it was added as a legitimate a statistic where somebody could monetize it like an RBI or, or sacrifices or things like that, you, you would probably see it encouraged more. But I, I think why the Cardinals stand out, and I would put Tampa Bay in that category, there's maybe a half dozen teams who actually understand the nuances of the game where they implement them with confidence. Um, but the other thing is this. Defensively, they do all the things that save, saves runs in games. They throw to the right bases. They hit the cutoff, man. Uh, they can turn the double play in awkward situations. I mean, when you have Goldschmidt and Arnado on, on, on the corners, you, you really are a much better yeah. team. But I think that they have done something that maybe once they become more successful, and you know this is a copycat sport, we'll start to see more teams emphasize it at lower levels in the minors because you can't learn this at the big league level and think you're going to succeed. You have to be in the minor leagues where they teach it every day, and at some point it'll come to fruition for you. And I'll give you a good example. Uh, Cardinals had a runner, uh, runner at first and runner at third, and Nolan, and Nolan Gorman, who's a rookie, on a double play ball, ran through second base. So it appeared that he was running off the back. So they had to make a decision because they didn't get to the bag in time. So they had to make a decision, and Arnado basically drew the play to him, 
instead of the player at home, Cardinals ended up scoring another run out of it. Now, you don't see that every day, but it's right. one of the things they teach in the minors, and it's something that those little things are the things that may get you a run during the course of the season that will be the difference in a win or a loss. Yeah, well, I mean, along the lines of what Joe said earlier, I, I Joe Madden in his office, I don't know, four years ago, I said, how many times would, let's say, Max Muncy have to bunt to get you to stop shifting on him? And he said, bunt successfully. He said, I don't know, a dozen, which is not going to happen. So I'm doing one-run games in World Series where a team's down and they have the shift on. And the idea of just pushing something just to get on base and get something going is the furthest thing from their mind. That guy's at the plate trying to tie the game with a home run. Uh, and, and it's just mind blowing to me, but I Madden said in his office, he said, I think the next iteration of this is going to be what Joe said uh, about Joaquin Andujar. Anybody could make out that lineup. He said, there's going to be six or seven guys that can just flat out fly. They can run, make contact, and you're going to have a power guy in the three spot, maybe a power guy in the four spot. And that's it. And these players, the, the other teams won't know how to defend them because they, they, there's just too much action the game right now just feels a little stagnant you know on 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 many occasions with with some of the bigger teams you know that's uh i look back on everything that you and i have both done in the game and and you too mike every every day in baseball you're witnessing a piece of history and uh you said something about the runner on second base if you go extra innings how would Harvey Haddix have handled that when he had a perfect game for 14 innings? And now they're going to stick a guy on second base. That's that's just not right. Uh, no. I had Dwight Gooden and Nolan Ryan in a playoff game. They struck out everybody but the bat boys. <laughs> and they, they both pitched nine innings. Uh, Ryan, Ryan pitched, I think Ryan pitched into the 10th, and they took Gooden out in the ninth for a pinch hitter. And Gooden was a baby. Gooden was a kid. Yeah. And I, I re that game, Joe, was on during the pandemic. And and one of the best things, you know, for me as a baseball fan to, was to turn on MLB Network and see a lot of those, you know, for me, baseball in the 80s, the 70s, like that. That to me was great baseball. I wish I was old enough to to have seen baseball in the 50s and 60s uh, with, with a lot of the players that came and went during that that stretch. But it was just, it was like, my God, this is this is baseball. It's Nolan Ryan and Doc Gooden, and they are going pitch for pitch. Nobody's blinking. They're striking out everybody. And it was thrilling. And 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 I I don't know. People would would people say that game's boring now because they're striking everybody out? I don't know. I I would hope not, because it, to me it was fascinating. I couldn't stop watching it. And and so the game has changed a lot. I'm not saying that's bad. It's just change is different, and uh, you know, I, I, I think they're going to be some givebacks here, and, and trying to get a little bit more activity going uh, as we go forward. Well, a lot of it, a lot of it has to do with fundamentals. You know, if the pitchers would throw strikes, you remember a pitcher named Randy Jones, mm -hmm. San Diego Padres, couldn't break a window pane, but if he threw eighty pitches, the game was over. You know, yep. I mean. Maddox, another one, great, great pitcher, keeping the pitch count down, keeping his fielders ready behind him because he's going to get the ball through it. How about Jim Cott, Steve Carlton, get the ball and get it up there. I remember Steve Carlton used to yell at McCarver. He'd yell at McCarver, don't 
Don't say a word to the umpires. I'll pitch. You catch the umpire. Just <laughs> yep. yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, and of course, none of us were there when Gibson and Koufax and them pitched, but they threw strikes. Well, the the games that we do, and I did. I don't know. I I did twenty four World Series, so I guess that means I did twenty four All Star games. The all-star games were the fastest moving games we did every year because nobody wanted to strike out. So they guys would go up there ready to hit. They would go up there and they're, yeah, they're facing all-star pitching on the other side, but nobody wants to strike out. So they go up there ready to swing. And it's, it's, it's the most fast paced game we do with the most substitutions and player changes and, you know, who's hitting where, and you barely have any time to think when you're doing a game like that, because guys are coming and going. But but I'll tell you, as far as the pace of the game, because guys don't want to strike out, it's night and day, and and it just proves that there's a mentality there that that could be there. Uh, they have it, but I think in the regular season, it's just kind of let's wait around, let's work the pitcher, let's get the pitch count up, let's foul off a couple of pitches, and then you know by the time action happens, it's it's been a while. Yeah, but if you took. If you try to go deep into camp with somebody like Tom Seaver after three pitches, you're in the dugout. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> and I can remember uh, the, the big red machine because I was just coming up then. I mean, they didn't work the, the pitcher. If they threw the ball near the plate, those guys hit it. <laughs> I mean, right. And they may be the best eight players I've ever seen. Oh, uh, my God. Yeah. Just, just an unbelievable team. I mean, uh, you got. Three of them are in the Hall of Fame already, you know, uh, and there's probably going to be a couple more before it's over. But uh, it's it's amazing that uh, they don't they don't play the game the same way. You know, I, I told this story the other day about with uh, when Eduardo Perez was on with us. He's, I told him what Rod Carew said when he was the honorary captain for the American League All Stars. They they asked him one of the kids that Dustin Pedroia asked him said, "What's your favorite song?" And he goes, my favorite song. He said, yeah, what's your, your music? What's your favorite song? He said, the national anthem. <laughs> and of course, Pedro said, well, why is it the national anthem? And he said, because I knew when I heard it, I was going to get two hits. <laughs> <laughs> At least. Hey, Joe, you know, you've told all of our listeners about what's going on, and you've been telling me a long time now about the all-natural B1 performance and wellness patch that's revolutionizing the sports nutrition world. Well, I think everyone should know that there's, you don't have to take sugary energy drinks or extra caffeine for an energy boost. The B1 patch is fast acting. It's, it's body heat activated and proudly made here in the United States. It's a must if you're out on the golf course in these hot summer days or just trying to patch up your future major leaders. You know what? You can feel good about using the 100% all-natural B1 patch from USA Natural Patches, which has been in business for over 10 years. This is the most trusted transdermal vitamin patch, and it's easy to apply, and it's worn by over 200 athletes, plus by our favorite retired Major League umpire. That's right, Mike. I personally used the B1 patch for years, and they've made a real difference in my life. Visit buyb1.com and enter the code umpire. For a buy one, get one free. I really want all of our listeners to try this. You'll be glad you did. It's the B1 patch. Don't compete without it. That's buyb1.com. You enter the code umpire 
for buy one, get one free. Hey, Joe, you, you've done so many games. You mentioned the All-Star games in the World Series. Who's the best player you ever called? Mm. I, I Jeter. I, I think Jeter was, for, for handling all that he handled in New York, Joe Torre would tell you that, that that locker room, that clubhouse ran itself. He didn't have to do much. Um, he just was a born leader and somebody that – I don't know what his analytics were by the end of his career or the back end of his career, but if the bases were loaded and his team was winning by one run, he wanted the ball hit to him. And and I, I those guys, uh, you know, I you could look at a lot of different ways. I mean, Trout, I, I just I didn't see him enough. Uh, Otani blew me away when I met him at the All Star Game last year. I mean, he's shockingly big and impressive uh Pujols is is everything you want in a player but as far as big game clutch moments uh it would probably be him and and that made me think of David Ortiz at the plate I think he was one of the most clutch hitters I ever covered uh when I was doing national games what about on the mound hmm I mean I I, I just I could watch Maddox pitch every Maddox or Pedro are, are, are the two guys that, that I would pay to see um, Matt and they did it so differently, you know, Maddox with the, uh, with the arms going up on a tailing fastball to a left-handed hitter. And just, it was mastery. And, and he, you know, he, he grew up in Vegas and took a lot of his card playing mentality out to the mound with him. He just, he just outthought whoever was at the plate. He, he was that much, He's like a baseball savant, and Pedro was just electric. So I, you know, watching him strike out, I think the first five or the first six, whatever it was, in the All Star game at at Fenway Park, uh, after Ted Williams came out and raised his cap to the crowd, one of the greatest hours of my life. Uh, it was it was unbelievable. But I, those are the two that jumped to mind. There are many others, but I, I, I think those are the two that stand out. All right. Well, when do you clock in for football? I mean, I'm embarrassed to say not until uh, August 18th. I think I have a preseason game. <laughs> so in t- between now and then, I'm going to be raising four-year-olds, arguing with my wife, and trying to play golf. <laughs> Which one do you think you'll succeed in? Uh, I'll lose every argument. Uh, I- I'm going to give it my damnedest with the boys, and my golf game stinks right now. So uh, I-, 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 I say th- I'll say the boys because golf's not good right now, and and uh, my wife wins every argument. Happy wife, happy life. Yes. Oh, yeah. You know, That's unique because uh, you you announced with a lot of other famous announcers in football as well as in baseball. I mean, so you had uh, uh, all these years that you've been working in football. Uh, which uh, which venue did you like there? Well, I, I would say that Lambeau Field is still really cool. Um, you know, it, it's it's not what it was when it opened, I guess, in the 50s. Uh, they've, they've added so much to it. But to walk into that stadium before, you know, four hours before the game and to see it empty and it's freezing and, and to see the bleachers out there before you're about to do an NFL game is such an odd sensation. It still gets me every time. So Lambeau Field is a special place. It, it, you know, it was like it was like calling – baseball games at old Yankee stadium. Like everybody always says, you know, what's your, what's your favorite 
baseball stadium. And, and my answer is old Yankee stadium. I mean, even more so than Fenway, more so than Wrigley, just because of the history that was there and where it sits and, you know, just the, the world series that have been won there and, and what have you. But I, I think football wise, these stadiums now, Joe and the NFL are so good uh, that you really can't find a clunker. There are a couple of them, uh, but they're all unique in their own way. The new one in LA is sensational. Um, but, but I would say as far as nostalgia and having that feel like, wow, this is really cool. It's, it's Lambeau field. Hey, I don't want to put you in, put you to work too soon because (laughs) you'll get the phone call. I'm sure after we finish this conversation, what's the one sport that you either would like to do or wouldn't mind doing more of? Well, I did college basketball as a kid, and I, I miss doing that. I miss being on the floor. I, I think that's what I like most about it, is that you're down there and you're that close to the action. I've called baseball games down behind home plate, and that's not so easy. And, and you, another good reminder is how fast things are moving down there as opposed to being removed and up in the press box. But I, I think basketball would be something I'd love to do again at some point. Um, I don't follow the NBA. I don't know if that's because I'm St. Louisan and – I missed that uh, that here, but college basketball was uh, was so fun to do. To be in a college arena and and to see a team go end to end, I I, I loved it. Uh, hockey, I, I'd love to do it, but I know I'm not smart enough to do it. My <laughs> mouth and my mind don't work that fast, so I'll just leave that to the professionals. Uh, but I, I would say basketball. Expect the invitations anytime now. I'm sure. Trust me. <laughs> yeah. No. You'll be East Toenail State Wesley and doing the game now. Yeah, exactly. That that's <laughs> what I don't want to do. So I'm good. I'm good right here in my basement doing podcasts and uh and hiding from my kids. There you go. Hey Joe Buck, it's been a blast, man, to visit with you. Um continued success. Best of luck with the new venture and thanks for being part of the 5460, the Joe West podcast. Oh my God. I, I love it. Thank you guys, Joe. It's great to see you. I'm sure I'll great see you on a plane you. somewhere uh, Absolutely. in the not too distant future and Claves. I'll see you. I'll see you around. You got it, my friend. All right, guys. For Joe Buck and Joe West, I'm Mike Claiborne. We thank you for tuning in for another edition of 5460, the Joe West podcast. My baby took me to the ballpark to see a baseball game. Lord, it had to be at least 99 in the shade. Well, I was stealing a glance at some tight short pants just as I turned my head. My baby grabbed me by the arm and this is what she said. If you cheat on me, you'll be out at home. If I catch you playing the field, you're gonna be long gone. You better play it safe and don't do me wrong. Cause if you cheat on me, you'll be out at home. You've been listening to 5460, the Joe West Podcast, here on the Podcast Heat Network. Make sure to subscribe and don't miss an episode each and every Monday. We'll talk to you next week. She's checking all the signs. While I'm enjoying two of the great American pastimes It's fouling up my nerve watching all these curves Remembering what she said to me And if I get caught looking it's gonna be strike three If you cheat on me, you'll be out at home 
If I catch you playing the field, you're gonna be long gone. You better play it safe and don't do me wrong. Cause if you cheat on me, well, you'll be out at home. If you cheat on me, you'll be out at home. If I catch you playing the field, you're gonna be long gone. You better play it safe. And don't do me wrong Cause if you cheat on me Well you'll be out at home If you cheat on me You'll be out at home